Friends, it's been too long. You've waited patiently for the last two weeks as myself and about 80,000 other people in the wrestling fan business geared up for, and then recovered from, WrestleMania. It was an amazing show, and the first WrestleMania ever headlined by women, and my show is going to follow suit. For the next six weeks, I Hate Wrestling is going to shine a spotlight on women's wrestling, both modern and classic. And we're going to start by going back to 1994, when the top female stars of WWE traveled to Japan to do battle on another promotion's international supercard with maybe the best name of all time. This week on I Hate Wrestling, it's Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano, Big Egg Wrestling Universe. Here's an idea. What about a cranky cartoon cat that's always throwing up and his name is Barfield? Oh, wait, hold on. Matt, you're cutting out a bunch. Oh, I'm sorry. What I said was, what about a grumpy cartoon cat who throws up all the time and his name is Barfield? (laughs) I hate you. I'm done. That, that that wasn't that wasn't worth hearing. I'm, I'm done already. Goodbye. Okay. Well, it's Bye. been it's been great. Huh. This will make a great episode of the podcast. Just one one barfing cat joke and me saying bye. <laughs> Listen, I don't know that that if that rich area of sort of Garfield vomit jokes has ever been explored. Although I bet. Uh, there's a very fertile area of like Garfield vomit porn that has been dis- has been explored deeply somewhere. <sighs> yeah. No. Welcome to 2019. <laughs> Matt's just he can't even laugh. He's just sad. Welcome to 2019. I guess it's been a hell of a yeah. week. It's been a hell of a week. Um, Nicole, hey, welcome. Yo, you poor thing. Do you still like wrestling? I. I have a I have a certain fondness for it. <laughs> Nicole, welcome back okay. to the podcast. A- as it turns out, happy to be here. Yeah, as it turns out, our audio levels are fine, so I'm just gonna forge ahead, <laughs> blaze a path. Um, okay. Yeah. So. Oh, fitting. <laughs> ah, I hadn't even thought of that. That'll make sense in a few minutes. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, you know what? It already makes sense because if you're listening to it, you saw the episode title. So fuck off. It makes sense now. So it's been uh, it, all of my all of my followers, all uh, all tens of you. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of the old uh, the old gag where The Rock would say the millions and millions of The Rock's fans, and then Mick Foley would be like. And for all the dozens and dozens of mankind's fans, you know, I, I relate. I relate to Mick a lot in this because, no. yeah, you know, my my dozens of fans out there surely uh, were following my adventures last week. I went to NXT TakeOver uh, 
New York. I went, and that was Friday. And on Saturday, I went to New Japan Ring of Honor G1 Supercard in Madison Square Garden. And then on Sunday, I went to uh, this show called uh, Wrestling Mania at MetLife Stadium. Uh, yes. And it was it was like, I don't know if it's the longest pro wrestling show in history. <laughs> uh, it definitely is the longest pro wrestling show in I history. I hope for your sake it was. Yeah, it's definitely the longest pro wrestling show in history if you factor in like the five-hour odyssey back to Hoboken from Rutherford and God. like being herded into pens Ugh. by dead-eyed stadium employees. Uh, I guess WWE and New Jersey Transit did not properly coordinate and there were not enough shuttle buses and the train stopped running way too early. And yeah, just like literally tens of thousands of people were just milling around outside of WrestleMania and just sort of on their own as far as getting back to where they were supposed to be. And I can, you know, I live in New Jersey and I was uh, not happy. So imagine that you came to this show from Italy, like the people who were in line in front of me <laughs> or Australia, like Jesus. the people who were in line behind me and you're trapped in New Jersey. You might as well be trapped in the sun. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, apart... I can't even imagine. Yeah, so apart from that, it was a great show. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw... Had a wonderful time, got stuck for like six and a half hours. It was great. It was totally worth it, every damn minute of it. Yeah, so I saw... um, I saw our good friend, your good friend and mine, the Velveteen Dream, on Friday night. Um, Yes. I believe I excitedly, yeah, I excitedly sent you a, a, a photo when I, when I saw that the Velveteen Dream was being, oh, of course, was being carried to the ring in a litter. As he should be everywhere at all times. Yes. And like a medieval litter, not like kitty litter, like one of those platforms that's held aloft by four beefy dudes. Yeah, that is, that is probably good. Yeah, probably good you make that distinction because we don't want people to think he's being carried around in a giant cat shit box. No, he's not Garfield uh, or Barfield. But yeah, it was a great... Uh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Callback. Uh, so yeah, Velveteen Dream, always great. Uh, always a great performer. Always a treat to watch. And he, uh, he put on a fantastic performance against Matt Riddle, who I also excitedly texted you about before the match. Because they had a beef based on goblet refusals. Yes. Where the Velveteen Dream was carried out on a sex couch and offered Matt Riddle. (laughs) Who, I guess. Sorry. Sex couch. I mean, that's what it is. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Couch. Yeah, and and he was carried out uh, this time by by sexy ladies instead of sexy dudes because uh, dream don't discriminate, you know. And uh, they sort of wheeled him out on this sex couch. I respect that. Where he decided that he was going to grace Matt Riddle 
with a championship match for his North American title. And Matt Riddle, who looks like the human form of the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Except he got really into... Yes, Adam. Yeah. Prince Adam. Who also is the secret identity of He-Man. Oh my God, is Prince Adam from Eternia the same one from Beauty and the Beast? Is that confirmed? Yeah, you didn't know that? Okay, great. So, you know, this really makes everything together. It is now. <laughs> yeah, it finally ties together the Disney princess and <laughs> and the He-Man cinematic universes in a really satisfying way. You know, as they should be, all is right with the world. Yeah, I He's always throw in Garfield, Barfield somehow, and everything <laughs> is perfect. <laughs> so the other big thing, the other big takeaway from this weekend aside from the Velveteen Dream being generally awesome, and aside from uh, my own journey into hell and back, is that this year's WrestleMania was historic because it was the first time that WrestleMania was main-evented by women. Yes. Which is awesome. It is awesome. And the main event of this year's WrestleMania was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, the daughter of Ric Flair, who we talked about in one of your previous episodes. And oh, yeah, Old Man Rick. I know Rick. Old Man Rick. Tight. And the uh, third participant in the match was uh, Ronda Rousey, who you may know as the most famous female athlete who is not a Williams sister on the planet. Yes. The three of them had a triple threat match, closed out the show, and, uh, you know, history was made. And I figured that this sort of milestone is as good a time as any to undertake a project that I've been wanting to undertake for a long time now, and that is an extended look into the history and, you know, some highlights of women's wrestling and also women in wrestling. So we're going to talk about some great women's championship matches. We're going to talk about some interesting instances of intergender wrestling it's going to be a whole thing. And we're starting it this week. Isn't that cool? Woo! And I think it's very cool. I think so too, and that's why I decided to do it. I don't even know how many episodes we're going to have. I'm thinking between 4 and 6. So, a month Those are good numbers. I respect that. Yeah, a month to a month and a half of solid women's wrestling content straight into your living rooms or more accurately just your ears. Nobody's playing this not into headphones. This is not the Old West. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> I have no idea, Matt. I feel like you just totally lost the, the, the tangent you were going on. But I do want to say real quick yes. that the only thing that could have made that WrestleMania better was if Scarlett Johansson had gotten out and wrestled because <laughs> I would have liked to see that personally. Yeah. yeah, that's also, that was another super weird thing is that WWE is always trying to get mainstream publicity because they have this weird inferiority complex where they are one of the most pervasive forms of entertainment on the face of the earth. And yet the minute that somebody who's famous for something other than wrestling shows up in wrestling, 
that person is immediately the focus of wrestling. Does that make sense? Oh, like the, the yes, like the weekend update dudes who were like, we're going to wrestle. And right. Like, what? And yeah. Everybody else who probably heard about it was like, what? And the whole wrestling community was like, we're going to talk about them now. Right, except it doesn't it doesn't ever really work that way. I mean, it this there's a long history of this yeah. back into the into the 80s like Cindy Lauper was involved in wrestling for a hot minute because the video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun, her dad is played by legendary pro wrestling manager Captain Lou Albano from Of course. From that. Doesn't know that. Yeah. Well, if you were in the '80s, you definitely knew that he was also he also played the live action Mario in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. You remember that? Oh my God, I know him. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, know that. I get that reference. Do the Mario. You know that dude. The same dude, live action Mario, was the same guy who played the dad in the music video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and that guy was also the most prolific manager of championship tag teams in pro wrestling history. Same dude. Cool. I'm learning so much. And he sort of made friends with Cindy Lauper. She came into wrestling and this whole thing started where uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper cracked a gold record over her head <laughs> or maybe he kicked her. No, he cracked, what? he cracked a gold record over Captain Lou's head and he kicked her in the head. That's right. And then pro wrestling got on Jesus MTV. Christ. Yeah. Then Hulk Hogan got on MTV fighting Roddy Piper. Uh, they had a whole show before WrestleMania. The first WrestleMania, the biggest show that they had done was called the war to settle the score. And it aired live on MTV. So the Cindy Lauper sort of crossover story is kind of the origin of all of this. And back then it really did get a lot of eyes on the product. But because of that, now anytime somebody is famous from something other than wrestling, they're immediately treated like a bigger deal than the entirety of wrestling. You know what's weird is of all of the random, all the random 80s celebrities you could have mentioned, Cindy Lauper was like not even close to what I was thinking of. Oh, well, the first WrestleMania had Liberace, Muhammad Ali, Billy Martin. God, WrestleMania two, I think, had the Where's the Beef lady. Like they. Well, you see, I can I can see how Liberace was there because of all the you know the outfits and the spandex and the men wrestling around. And sure. The glitter. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense to me. Just not so much Cindy. Yeah, the... yeah and I don't know why. Like she got kicked in the head. Yeah. That's. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yep. And that's weird. That's just not. Just think of all the random, like, 80s celebrities. Yeah, like, the Where's the Beef Lady. Like, that makes total sense. I mean... not Cindy fucking Lauper. Like, she's... What? Well, uh, you may not know this, but the main event of the first ever WrestleMania was Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff versus Hulk Hogan and Mr. Fucking T. That, I did know that, and that's cool. <laughs> We all love Mr. T, and especially uh, we all loved Mr. Right. T in 1984. But that was another example of a time when yeah. it worked. But now what that means is like fucking Flo Rida showed up and he gets to act tough and like big league the wrestlers and skits and shove them. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? 
So I, I make all those points to make this point. The, the weekend update guys showed up at WrestleMania, tried to fight a giant hillbilly, and got beaten up. And I just had this bizarre moment of... Shock. I know. I had this bizarre moment of clarity where it was like, I bet Scarlett Johansson's here. <laughs> like somewhere. She's probably yeah, not. See, she she could have theoretically been stranded too. You two could have like met somehow, somewhere, and like the back of WrestleMania waiting for a lift for like five hours and fallen in love. But, you know. It didn't happen, and that's fine too. She probably wasn't there. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Yeah, she she probably wasn't. She probably left. There's a, if I'm Scarlett Johansson and I'm at WrestleMania because Colin Jost is at WrestleMania, I am not staying until the end of it. <laughs> because I doubt he stayed till the end of yeah, it. Yeah, fair. He showed up like two hours into the oh, main God. show to do a rectal exam skit with Kevin Nash, and that was it. Oh. <laughs> okay. They got beaten up, and so they had to be taken to the... Uh, they had to be taken to like the ring doctor and the ring doctor turned out to be Kevin Nash and he like snaps a rubber glove on. He's like, all right guys, start with the uh, rectal exam. Uh, Dr. Nash is one of, of, he's one of my all time favorite uh, wrestling alter egos. You know, Mick Foley has mankind and dude love and cactus Jack well, Kevin Nash has Dr. Nash, who's basically Kevin Nash, but is just really into proctology. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm really happy that if you didn't get to meet Scarlett Johansson, you got to see her boyfriend get a fake rectal exam from <laughs> your favorite WWE <laughs> like side character. <laughs> I really you know? did. It- you know what? I will say this. Uh, 15-year-old Matt would have been equally excited to meet Dr. Nash and Scarlett Johansson. So 30-year-old Matt has to take what he can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can make a lot of jokes, but I'm just going to nod and we can keep moving. <laughs> sure, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, this episode that we're going to do today... Uh, I've had you penciled in for this episode for like six months now. It was, I think, in either the yes. second or third batch of episodes that I came up with. And I, I posted it on Facebook and yeah. you immediately seemed to be into the idea. And I think it might have just been the title. Yes. Is it the title? Um, I think I like the idea of watching the two ladies wrestling because it's a, I just when I think of wrestling professional wrestling I often think of men and I think I was also very excited because I just started watching Glow which I've mentioned before is an amazing show and I love it so much um, so I was like yes I want ladies wrestler lady wrestlers and also they're um, either fighting in a place or the event something about a big egg dome and I was like I want to know what that is yeah so, so- uh, what the episode title and also the name of the show that this match takes place on is Big Egg Wrestling Universe. 
And yes, the reason that is such a great name. It's Japanese. That may or may not surprise you. <laughs> no shit. Sure. I didn't need Doctor Nash to tell me that. <laughs> so, uh, the Egg Dome is one of many famous arenas in Tokyo. It's called the Egg Dome because it is vaguely egg-shaped. And okay, this show is called Big Egg Wrestling Universe because it is a show taking place in a wrestling show taking place in the egg dome. And it's called wrestling universe because it is comprised of women's wrestling. And in fact, not just women's wrestling, but all sorts of women's combat sports. There's some kickboxing and some MMA and other things on this show from all over the world. So there's like some Brazilian jiu-jitsu and some, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really cool concept. And the match that we're going to watch is fairly glowish. It's closer to glow yes. than most of the other women's wrestling that I'm going to feature. I'm still working on trying to get some glow episodes in because I think as we've discussed before, Glow isn't necessarily objectively good, like the actual wrestling parts. Right. The wrestling parts are pretty no, basic. And I know that, and I'm fine with it. So, but this is kind of a reaction to Glow, if that makes sense. Because this is uh, 94, which is, you know, within 10 years of Glow. And Glow was still... Yeah the prevailing idea of what women's wrestling was. So in a way it's a reaction to glow and a rebuttal of glow, but also kind of a stylistic cousin of glow. Does that make sense? It yes, does. So, uh, although the, the homework I watch, those women can wrestle. So, I'm oh, yes, that they super can. those skills on display. Yeah, they super can. They super can wrestle. And that's the departure from Glow. But, I mean, as far as the presentation and the costuming, it's super Glow. Nakano, yeah, just watching her preview clips, it was very glowish. The outfits, the ha the hair. Oh my god, the hair. Yeah, let me let me just talk for a minute about Bull Nakano because I have always had a crush on Bull Nakano, like always. Um, I am not surprised to hear this in the slightest. <laughs> she is she is terrifying, and she is also very cute in a strange way. Um, how, how would you describe, I will allow you some room. I will give you the floor to describe the style of Bull Nakano, if you would be so kind. Well, there was, so there was in, in the homework that I watched because I am a good student, um, <laughs> she, she cycled through a few different things, but the predominant style that I saw and is now burned into my retinas for a long time was very long hair where the top half was um, almost in a, in a beehive sort of height, but then still like straight down her back and like a bluish purple, 
very striking color. Um, and her face, her makeup, she has like a bluish lip, and her face is painted so that half of it, and sometimes the full thing, depending, almost looks like a cracked like porcelain doll sort of situation, which I thought was really cool, and is probably somehow like an ode to old like Asian aesthetics of beauty, at least that's kind of what I leaned from it. But she also looks very punk and like crazy simple leotards but in like outrageous colors and there was nunchucks at least twice which is cool because she's a badass but she looks kind of like that um like think of like an 80s movie with half cyborg um hackers and there's like the asian punk girl because that's what she looks like I would say that's a very astute observation and a very succinct uh, summary of of Bull Nakano and her her aesthetic. Now, what did you what did you think of Bull Nakano's sort of physicality? Holy shit! <laughs> Is that a good enough answer? Oh my god, she is incredible. She jumped off the top of a cage. And landed on someone off the top of a cage. You don't see men doing that often, let alone this, like, little Asian woman who is just, like, coming out to kick your ass. And I'm really impressed by her, like, backflip holds. I don't even know how to describe that, where she's, yeah, it's like a backbend hold down to pin people. Like, how? How do you do that? Now, that was like every. That must be one of her signature moves because I saw her do it like six times. It's like what the hell? Yeah, she's <laughs> she's very athletic. It, there's a clip in in that video of the somersault leg drop, right? Yes. Yeah, that move is still amazing. I have no idea how anyone does that. So, yeah, she, she was doing it from the top of the ropes, and she did it from the top of a cage. Did I mention that? Yeah. Top well, of a- Cage. Yeah, Bolnacano, <laughs> terrifying. So, Bolnacano is the challenger in the match that we're about to watch. Her opponent is called Alundra Blaze. Alundra Blaze looks like a mom. She looks like an 80s mom who thinks she can break into modeling, so she go gets some uh, glamour shots done and like does her hair for them. But like... You know, like the 80s mom. You know what I mean. Yeah, so here, here's here's how She's I'm... Like, oh, oh, I know what she is. What is she? She's like Angela from Who's the Boss decided to get into wrestling. <laughs> she also kind of looks like Angela from The Office <laughs> tried to get into pro yes, wrestling. <laughs> but like 80s Angela. Yeah. Here... Like 80s Angela. Either one just meant like the 80s hair, the crazy feathered out hair and the gel bangs and... You know, but if she does, she looks like she leaves in a wood-paneled minivan in mom jeans. You know what she kind of reminds me of? Speaking of glow, oh, you're you're watching, like, Forensic Files or another true crime show that has reenactments? And you're watching a reenactment? Yes! She is the... Yeah, she's Forensic Files Liberty Bell. Right, so... watch the show Glows. She's, like, the Midwestern version of the California-based actress that they've hired to play someone. Does this make sense at all? <laughs> I think so. I, I think people are going to get it. I think we're explaining it really well. So we said all that to say that Alundra Blaze looks like a normal lady from the Midwest. 
She looks like an Iowan. A very fit normal lady. Yes. Yeah, she goes to Jazzercise. She goes to Jazzercise. You know, Dairy. She does her Richard Simmons. If she's not at Jazzercise, she's at spin class. Right. She looks like she could be married to a state senator. She's attractive, but not like threateningly attractive. Which sort of differentiates her from a lot of the... From the period after this in the 1990s, you kind of had to be like a fitness model before you became a wrestler. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Yeah. She's sort of a transitional figure because, you know, in the early 80s and, you know, the 70s before that, a lot of women's wrestlers were were not particularly glamorous at all. Like the most famous female wrestler of you know, the 1950s into the 1980s was the fabulous Moolah, who was just this, like, very severe middle-aged woman (laughs) who was just very cruel. (laughs) And... She's probably like Alundra Blaze's mom. Well, sort of. She was like... She was actually like, now it's come to light that she was almost like this weird godfather of women's wrestling figure where she kind of pulled all the strings behind the scenes and controlled like the whole women's wrestling racket. Oh Jesus. Yeah. It was like, like, and there are like some, some, I guess fairly well substantiated claims that she was actually involved in some real crimes, like actual racketeering and maybe prostitution. So fabulous Moolah, not great. So, so does she look like Marlon Brando or kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you picture, if you picture Marlon Brando, like disguised as your grandma, that's the fabulous Moolah. So if we I almost respect that, that could be. So if we're following anyway, this, let's talk about something else. I don't want to picture Brando. Right. My grandma so if we're following this through line of fabulous Mula into the sort of fitness model era, the stop in the middle is Alundra Blaze, who is very athletic, but she is also marketable. So. What kind of impressions did you get of Ms. Blaze in terms of her physicality? Oh, I mean, she's definitely a good wrestler. There's no question about it. She, what was it, the 2015 Hall of Fame? Yeah, she got into the Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, so you can't be shitty and get into the Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, you you can, but as a woman, I feel like it's less likely for you to be shitty and get into the Hall of Fame. Um, She also did that um, backbend pin situation. Oh, the German uh, suplex. Hers was yeah. Not as impressive as Bull Nicanos, though. Right. The, you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. hers was not as impressive as Bull Nicanos. So you're it's you're talking about the German suplex where she like grabs you around the waist and like dumps you on your head and neck and just holds you there for the pin, right? Yeah, and she's like bent backwards. Yeah, and she so. and she bridges for the pin. Yeah, that's that's a cool move. Yes. Yeah, that's Bull Nakano does that a lot, and I saw Alondra Blaze do it once. Hers was not quite as good as Nakano's, but she still does it, and I can tell that she is a pretty fierce wrestler just from, you know, 
I feel like a lot of it was just like her looking pretty and like walking into the ring and then like the stunt she pulled when she threw the belt into the garbage. Oh uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. As much of her actual wrestling. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty badass that she was just like, nah, screw you guys. Belt trash. Yeah. Um, yeah, so But they they didn't show as much of her moves. Right. So for the for the uninitiated, Alundra Blaze was, you know, in the early 90s, WWE decided that they were going to make a run at presenting women's wrestling respectively. So the flagship of the division was Alundra Blaze and she was their franchise player. She was women's champion a whole bunch and Essentially, what happened was after a couple of years, the whole project just sort of ran out of steam. They had a few women's wrestlers under contract, and by the time that they had sort of all wrestled each other a couple times, they didn't have more women coming in, and the division started to get stale, and WWE just sort of phased it out. Alundra Blaze was still the champion. And her contract expired. And WWE didn't realize that she still had the belt. So she went on their competitor's live TV show. And because she felt so slighted about what WWE had done as far as letting the division that she had built wither away, she dumped their championship in the garbage on live television. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty badass and a crazy uh, shot fired in this war between these two companies. And unfortunately, she went to WCW, the the competitor, and they fed her a whole bunch of promises about, oh, we're going to bring you in the best competition from Japan. And, you know, we're going to we're going to put the women's division that WWE built to shame. And they put in even less effort than WWE did. And she never even held the uh, WCW Women's Championship. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, God. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. She came back a few years later, and she makes history in a different way by becoming the first woman to hold a men's championship in WCW. She wins the Cruiserweight Championship in 1999. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Good job. I like that. Good yeah. job, girl. So she actually wins the Cruiserweight Championship right around the same time in WWE that China is winning the Intercontinental Championship, which is another men's championship. So there's a lot of that going around in 99-2000. Nice. So during the initial run of like 92 to 95, the, the sort of heyday of 90s women's wrestling in WWE, Alundra Blaze's main rival is Bull Nakano. They wrestle... Yes, I think I saw in her clip show that they wrestled a few times. Yeah, they wrestle a few different times, and Bull Nakano can never seem to beat her. And... She keeps coming close, and she's coming closer than anybody else. And she keeps, you know, getting getting chances against her because she keeps, you know, she's better than everybody else in the division. But she just can't seem to topple Alundra Blaze. And 
that's where today's match comes in. She had come very close to beating Great. Alundra Blaze. I hope Blaze. she kicks her ass. <laughs> she came very close to beating Alundra Blaze at SummerSlam 2000. Oh, 2000. SummerSlam 1994. <laughs> <laughs> We're so old. I know. Sorry, what? So... She comes very close to beating Alundra Blaze at SummerSlam 1994, but ultimately comes up short. But she manages to get herself a rematch at Big Egg Wrestling Universe, which takes place in Tokyo, also in 1994. And here's the really interesting thing. This match is for the WWE Women's Championship, but this is not a WWE show. How does that work? So, technically, this show is promoted by AJW, or All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. And what AJW is doing is essentially getting the best women's wrestling from around the world on this show. And like I said, they have, they have some kickboxing matches, and they have amateur wrestling, like Greco-Roman wrestling and they have some mixed martial arts and all different kinds of things. And of course, AJW doesn't promote kickboxing or MMA or Greco-Roman wrestling. (laughs) Jiu-jitsu. Or jiu-jitsu, right. So what they wind up doing is essentially providing exhibitions for all of these other promotions under this one banner. So it's a cross-promoted show under the banner of All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. Or AJW, if you will. It's a pretty big deal. And don't ask me how they managed to swing this, but they convinced (laughs) WWE to allow their women's champion to defend her championship on their show. I don't know. Money? It could be money. I mean... I think mostly the reason is that Vince needed women's wrestlers from somewhere and women's wrestling has always been taken more seriously in Japan. So it was probably a situation where he's like, hey, I really like this Bull Nakano lady that I got from you. Would you mind lending out some of your other stars down the line? And AJW was like, I don't know. Would you mind you know, letting us promote the most visible women's wrestling championship in the world on our show. And the answer wound up being sure. sure. Because, you know, as far as WWE is concerned, nobody in the U S is watching this show. It's 1994. There's no way for Americans to access Japanese pay-per-view. So it may as well be happening in an alternate universe, but at the same time, sun, as it were. right. And how it's just it's just fucking weird to imagine that WWE, who now we think of as being essentially the Disney of professional wrestling, would ever allow their contracted employees to perform for another organization. They're not even the main event. <laughs> Part of the show? No? Oh, that's definitely strange. Yeah, they're the semi-main, so they're the second to, to last match, but they don't close out the show, which, again, is wild. 
You would think WWE would insist, but again, they I guess they needed the talent pool that AJW had, so here we are. Well, I'm okay with it because I want to see this. So yeah, it's pretty... it works out for me now in 2019. So fuck them. Yeah, and it worked out. It worked out great for all the fans who tuned in to to see this this great match at the Egg Dome. Um, <laughs> the big egg dome, Matt. The, the big egg dome. It's so big. It's such a big egg. So, so before we crack open this egg dome, wrestling universe. Do you have any other thoughts about Bolnacano? or about Alundra Blaze, or about women's wrestling in general? I love Bull Nakano, and I don't know why yet, but I already do. And I want her to win, and um, I want her to become my personal stylist. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I'm just interested to see how it's similar yet different from glow and I, 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 I'm intrigued to see how the wrestling styles do differ uh, since I've now watched a few professional wrestling matches because of you you're welcome um, <laughs> I mean thanks alright um, right, fair enough <laughs> both thanks and you're welcome uh, that I just yeah I, I'm intrigued to see how it all goes down and as always I'm rooting for the weird one and not like Walmart blonde soccer mom, because that's just not, not how I roll. Okay, so we are watching Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano from Big Egg Wrestling Universe, which happened on November 20th, 1994. Unfortunately, uh, this match is kind of hard to come by. The whole thing used to be on YouTube. I had to resort to Daily Motion. You can't get it uh, via the WWE Network, because again, even though it's a, a WWE match, it is not happening on a WWE show. <laughs> and as far as I know, yeah. All Japan Pro Wrestling doesn't have a streaming service. So, you know, I'm sure you could buy a bootleg DVD. Buy a bootleg DVD. Treat yourself. Yeah, you know, we're, we're all for piracy here. Go for it. Yeah. And anyway, uh, if you want to follow along and uh, you, you can follow along... If you can find this uh, this clip on uh, on Daily Motion, the we're gonna start at two minutes and fifteen seconds, which is where the big WWF logo pops up. And uh, Nicole, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, uh, so uh, we're gonna press play in three, two, one, and go. So, yeah, so immediately. Yeah, so immediately, the first thing I I want to point out is how this blows away the WWE shows of 1994 in terms of production value. So wow, yeah. So uh, SummerSlam 1994, which is where their previous match took place, uh, drew 23,000 fans. This show has drawn 32,000 fans. Yeah, it's huge in there. Yeah, so we have Bull Nakano yes! entering first in this like scaly armored blouse looking thing. 
through a... Yes, she looks like a fancy gold lizard. <laughs> yes. Now, in all of my years of wrestling fandom, I can't say that I've ever seen a setup like this, where the wrestlers enter, enter under this big archway, then turn a corner down a catwalk, <laughs> and come down a ramp toward the ring. It's almost like a, a, a helix yeah, sort of very setup. Japanese. Yeah, uh, generally a WWE show would just have the big entrance and then an archway. But in this weird sort of setup, shes it almost looks like a baseball diamond. And then from there, she's sort of walking into this haze across a bridge. And of course, she's stopping to do some nunchuck tricks first. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so uh, now that we've she's getting a little closer, hair. we can see that, yeah, that hair, it's like, a like a this big vertical crest in the back and then or in the front and then the yeah. back it's almost mullet-ish. She kind of looks like a crested dinosaur of some kind. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And now that she's getting a Carithosaurus. And with yeah, everybody look up Carithosaurus. Yeah, gold scales, it's perfect. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like this... Yeah, you know what that is, kids. This gold lame tiger print thing going on in her, her blouse. So... I like it. Oh, I, I'm checking my notes here. The way okay, I described so... it... The way I described it in my notes is that oh, Bolmecano's outfit looks like one of the Golden Girls became an anime villain. Yeah, that works. An Asian anime villain. Yeah, yeah like a Sailor Moon villain. Why are there motorcycles? <laughs> <laughs> so. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so your question is why are there motorcycles? That's my question. Why are. <laughs> yes, why? So the answer is that Alundra Blaze is a big, 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 big motorcycle enthusiast IRL. So. I guess these are all of her motorcycle okay. motorcycle pals. Okay, but no, 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 no. But okay, there's like a dozen dudes who rode out before her. She she's not riding in on a motorcycle. She she's she doesn't live there. These, <laughs> these aren't her friends. This isn't her gang. <laughs> I am so perplexed by these random men on motor. They just keep coming. This is like that scene in Rocky Horror where all of a sudden the like Transylvanians are just like riding out of and into a giant crazy castle with a random stage in the middle of it and all these people for no reason. Oh, there she is. Okay. Yep, there she is on a bike uh, waving an uncomfortably large American flag. Uh, I'm just, I'm very upset about these random motorcyclists. I don't know. It's bothering me. <laughs> And now they're like now they're slowly. Slow... It's a Shriners parade. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the size of that flag. It looks like she stole it from a construction site. It's she probably did <laughs> on her motorcycle with her gang. They steal flags. Well, she is. She oh, is. Sorry. She is. She is patriotic. L let me let me say this because. Uh, sometimes she's Alundra Blaze and sometimes she's known as Medusa, 
with an A, as in M-A-D-U-S-A, as in Made in the USA. Oh my God. <laughs> so she is a she yeah. is a Midwestern mom, just through and through. Liberty Bale. <laughs> so I keep looking at my notes that I haven't consulted. I wrote out my notes for this episode like four months ago, and I keep being surprised and delighted by the things that I've written. For example, I just wrote, or I just read, Alundra Blaze kind of looks like Jennifer Aniston and Lisa Kudrow are the same lady, huh? Good observation, uh, December, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, December, Matt. So, oh my God. did we, uh, did I we... Love I know, she's so good. So, it's a tradition where the, uh, the women will be given bouquets by the fans, and, uh... Bolnacano is the baby face here, which is unfortunate because when she's a heel, she will straight up yank those bouquets out of people's hands and throw them on the ground. <laughs> because Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Okay, so uh it looks like the match is just about to begin. The referee is patting down our competitors, making sure none of them are smuggling in any broken bottles or uh Horseshoes, I guess. Oh, we get a, a handshake to begin. Guns. Guns, yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, any spare motorcycle motorcycle pipes? Right. You know, a wrench, something. Well, from that's that gang. Well, that's what happened in, in Undertaker and Ric Flair, right? The the motorcycle exactly. pipe played into it. Possible. So yeah, I was saying uh, right. Bolnacano has already failed to beat Alundra Blaze once. She missed that top rope leg drop of hers and got pinned. Oh. Boo. Yep, so what we're seeing here is a kind of an uncharacteristic show of respect from uh, from Bolnacano. Uh, she isn't usually one to, to break clean Ooh. in the corners. Ooh, so we just saw uh, Blaze go for yeah. an enziguri, a kick to the back of the head, and it got ducked, and now, whoof, flung at the ground. Yeah. And again, another hair mare. Ooh, the hair. Ow. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Ow. Yeah, she is just getting thrown around the ring by her head, and now she's being lifted up by the neck and choked. I kind of feel like this is part of why Bull Nakano has her hair like this is because you can't like, you can't grab her by that. You, you try and stick your fingers in that like big eraser head thing and they're just going to get stuck. <laughs> like all the hairspray and gel, you can't do that to her. Yep. Ooh. So we, we just saw a leg drop and uh, th- then we saw a clothesline and look at that, a, a one handed pin. 
very uh, very confident in the early goings. And now she's bending over Alundra Blaze and is apparently trying to make her heel touch the back of her head. <laughs> so, it's worth I think noting... I try to do that to me in yoga class sometimes. <laughs> it's worth noting that um, Bolnacano also controlled... Uh, controlled the early goings of the first match that she wound up losing. So the question of the rematch is, uh, did Nic- did Bolnacano learn her lesson? Can she keep that uh, reversal of momentum from happening again? You know, and I, I just want to say this out of respect to Alundra Blaine, where her costume is not nearly as cool, and it looks like she like wrote her name on herself with like glitter glue and markers. It's it's very Lisa Frank, right? Yeah, it's not nearly as cool. It's it's whoa. Yeah, no. <laughs> Although, Ooh. that was a fun move. Yeah. Oh. So she did a she did a handspring and. Uh, and managed to catch uh, Bull on the on the apron and yank her neck down over the top rope. Then she jumped onto the top rope and tried to come off with a body press, but got countered and thrown to the ground. And now, ooh, a nasty pile driver. And she manages to get a foot in the ropes. So, uh, really, Bull Nakano has controlled the entirety of this match so far. Yeah, I don't want her to, to burn out, though, too soon, because that would be very depressing. Although she probably will, because the good American girl always wins. Uh, well, uh, maybe, but you got to remember, <laughs> this is not America. No. I love that kick to the that's sternum. That's true, and that's, I think that's the benefit here. He, that's pretty brilliant. I, I love that fucking kick to the sternum, just it folded her right up. And once again... Uh, Bolnacano is really wrestling a textbook match here. She's got her quicker opponent on the ground and is just grinding her down. You know, she's not giving her an opportunity. Did you see that she reached up? Yep, she She tried to get her hands... She tried to do something with her hair but couldn't, so she just fluffed it. Yep. (laughs) And so far, you know, Alundra has a... uh, an advantage in terms of speed and probably agility, but so far it hasn't really uh, amounted to much because uh, Bull Nakano has been able to keep her grounded and keep her momentum from from really building. Yes, Bull. She also has the better name. Yeah, Bull Nakano is a fantastic name. So yeah, she's just just grinding the life out yeah, of her here. She, she keeps trying to grab her hair. She keeps trying to grab Bull's hair, and she can't. Yep, uh, she manages to to get to the ropes, and Bull has to release the that chin lock. So Alundra Blaze has reached the ropes, and uh, Bull has to let go, but instead just slams her down again, and and goes for a pin. But. <laughs> Alundra, man- oh. yeah, she manages to just like matrix her way out of the pin. And now she's hitting this blitz of offense. Oh. 
And now all of a sudden, yeah, she's, uh, She's hitting these uh, these cross bodies and these uh, these flying holds, and now it looks like she's gonna try to hit Bull Nakano with a pile driver of her own. But no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it gets reversed. She gets thrown directly onto her fucking head, and now Bull is yeah about to apply a truly punishing hold. This is, this is somebody's fetish. Yeah. I think I know some people with this fetish. (laughs) It was non-consensual yoga, I think. (laughs) Yeah, non-consensual, non-consensual partner yoga. Yeah, so we we just saw, it was, I guess you'd call it a scorpion deathlock with a double chicken wing, and then she just gave up the chicken wing and instead just took a couple handfuls of hair, and look at that, we saw, uh, we just saw Alundra Blaze try to go for that Matrix escape again that she did the first time where she just sort of like slipped out of a pin. But it looked like this time Bull Nakano had it scouted and she held her down. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it seems like... And Bull slammed her onto her face a minute ago. Yeah. Straight onto the face. Yup. She's really just pounding the shit out of uh, of Alundra Blaze here. And it looks like She's going up top for her top rope leg drop. This is exactly how she lost the the first match. Remember, Alundra Blaze was able to move. Yep. And Alundra Blaze scales the ropes. Tries tries for a top rope suplex, but gets thrown to the ground. Bull off the top rope. Misses the leg drop. And this suplex is exactly how she lost the first time. One, two, and this time she escapes. So the first time she's managed to escape the win or the, the move that defeated her the first time they wrestled. And look at that. Alundra tried to come off the top rope with a kick, but it looks like her back has been so badly weakened that it sort of compromised her, her agility. Yeah, that didn't work. No, it was and, a fun little backflip move she just did for no reason. <laughs> she didn't have to do that. She did. I feel like that was a waste of energy. Like she could have just like knelt down and pinned her and said she was like, "Oh, backflip!" Like, <laughs> I feel like that was a waste. Yep, and now she's been dropped on her face directly again, and now again on her back. Just all of these these brutal slams are just driving all of the air out of her body. Bolnikano up on the top rope. This time she hits that guillotine leg drop. One, two, three. And that is all she wrote. Yes. Yes. Bolnikano is your new WWE women's champion. And look how excited she is. <laughs> 
As she fucking should be. That was great. That was just one of the best wrestled matches that I've ever seen in terms of just countering everything your opponent could throw at you, learning from your previous matches. And she's just so delighted to be the hometown hero here. It's it's kind of out of character for her. But at the same time, it's just, it's very sweet. You know, you know what she looks like? What's that? I figured it out. She's uh, David Bowie as a troll doll. Okay, I can see that. <laughs> oh, look at like this. The hair and the outfit. Oh. And being paraded around the ring on, uh, on her training partner's shoulders there. It's so cute. Yep, and it's 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 so funny how you know in her excitement she she quickly changes over from this face painted monster to just this adorable Japanese lady. Like yeah, even she's so cute. These these I just want to give her a hug. These big like friendly waves to the crowd. It's very sweet. Yeah, she really is. She's just honestly super excited and cute, and like that whole you know, makeup terrifying jump off the top ropes persona. She's gone. She's like, hi, yay, I won. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and now like I'm waiting for her to start like posing with pictures, like doing peace signs and stuff. Like Yep and they're she's just like yay And now they're they're sort of strapping the the title onto her and you could see she's just got this look of barely contained glee on her face. It's it's very sweet. She's so cute. I love her too, Matt. I understand. Yeah, it's. I understand why you love her. So uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that's it. We can probably we can probably stop the video at this point because I, I think from uh, she also gets a plaque. That's very nice. So Aww, that's cute. So what did you think of Bolnacano versus Alundra Blaze? You're right. There was a lot of like learning from the moves that went wrong. There was a lot of just straight up wrestling, which I think was kind of surprising because some of the other ones we watched was like a lot of theatrics, like even more so than this, which is almost a little surprising because I guess I think of Glow and I think of a lot of theatrics, but there was just some like straight up ass kicking, you know, throwing each other around wrestling. Yeah, there wasn't, you know, apart from the the sort of pomp and circumstance of the of the entrances, it was pretty much a straightforward a straightforward match. And a a pretty hard-hitting yeah, and physical no, one. Yeah, there was no climbing out from the ropes and like hiding or like, "Oh, I'm injured" or yeah, using a motorcycle wrench or any of that. <laughs> there was no none of that bullshit. It was just like we're going to wrestle until one of us wins. Ready, go. And that was it. Yeah, and it's it's also very refreshing to see a match that is this one-sided. Um, a lot of times, wrestling matches, I think, at least in the U.S., and... Technically, this is a, a match for All Japan instead of WWE, so this may have something to do with it. But a lot of times in the U.S., 
wrestling matches seem to want to tell their own little epic story as opposed to being a part of an epic, an epic story that is a rivalry. So in American wrestling, if guys are going to wrestle four times, they're going to try to pull out all the stops to create uh, a self-contained drama in each match. But sometimes that's not how real life works. You know, sometimes you have a situation where you have a, a stronger opponent like Bull Nakano who loses the first match because they underestimate their smaller, quicker opponent. And then in the rematch, you would think, Hey, they've probably learned from their mistakes. And in this case, yeah, you'd expect them to win because They've learned not to make yeah. the same mistakes they made the first time. Whereas, yeah, right. Whereas if this were in WWE, they would essentially be having variations on the same match over and over again. Instead of trusting you, the viewer, to remember the narrative of their previous match and, rem- and think about their current match in the context of that match. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's almost like a smarter version of it. Yeah, yeah. And in Japanese wrestling, sometimes people have rivalries that last for years and they only wrestle a few times. Because the idea is... That's kind of cool. Yeah, each time... They come back together, the performers have grown, and you're like, oh, I wonder how it'll be this time. As opposed to, in American wrestling, when people have rivalries, it's more like they wrestle ten times in three months, and then they don't interact for years. And then maybe in a couple Uh, of years... Have you watched Community? No. (laughs) Okay, I promise this is related. (laughs) But I... Uh, been watching it on Hulu. I had never watched it before, um, but it, it, it's just reminding me of a plot in like season three. I think one of the characters is super, super crazy nerd and probably a little like autistic kind of way. And I know who Inspector Space Time is. Yes, that's exactly what I was going for. Is that they have Inspector Space Time, which is the fake Doctor Who. But they go to a convention in one of the episodes and uh, these like polling people randomly take aside uh, Chevy Chase's uh, racist, angry old man character. Chevy Chase. And ask him questions about Dr. Spacetime. Yeah, Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase. Right. So old man racist Chevy Chase has never seen Inspector Spacetime. And they show him an episode of the British version when this group of other people and they're like now how can we make this for american audiences and of course they listen to him and they like dumb it down and explain everything and there's lots of sex and stuff and he's so excited to show it to abed when it premieres he's like look what we did for you we made american inspector space time and abed watches it and he's like i'm never talking to you again (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it just right out it's like oh we take this 
great British version where it's like all intense and in-depth. And the one woman, Shirley's like, I don't think you should dumb it down at all. I think this is why people like it. And Pierce is like, nah, put boobs in there. I love boobs. I want boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that's that's pretty He's representative. Like, it's... American wrestling doesn't necessarily expect you to remember what happened last week, much less remember a rivalry in its entirety. It's just not it's just not how the writers generally produce the product. So right. it's it's refreshing when you when you get to see that. And it's refreshing when it does show up in American yeah, wrestling. Nice. I liked it. Because it, in the the American in the American version, we might have Alundra Blaze winning you know, a hard-fought close match with Bolnacano. And then maybe Bolnacano wins an equally hard-fought, equally close match in the second. And then in the third match, I guess one of them wins a hard-fought... Close match. Right, which isn't necessarily as interesting a story as this, where you had somebody who was a clear favorite, and then they lost because they underestimated their opponent... In the rematch, they completely dominate. And now, the question is, can the on-paper underdog learn enough from that second match to eke out a win again? Seeing as she was inducted into the Hall of Fame and, you know, went on to win some men's championships. Yeah, probably. She yeah. probably beats her again at some point. Yeah, she does, in fact. Pretty much when they go back to, when they go back to the U.S., Alundra Blaze winds up winning the championship back from Bull Nakano. And if I'm not mistaken, they pretty much just reused the ending of the first match. But they they both... Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're great. Alundra Blaze goes on to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. She's retired from pro wrestling and she drives monster trucks now. That's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. What what happened to Bull Nakano? I don't know. Bull Nakano uh, went back to Japan where she wrestled successfully for uh, another, gosh, 15 years, I guess. And she ultimately retired, had like a, a whole retirement ceremony. Oh, no, I remember her, her postscript. Tell me. After she went back to Japan and retired from pro wrestling. She became a professional golfer. Joined a tour. Yeah, she joined a tour with the Ladies Professional Golf Association. Huh. Yeah, she was a professional golfer between 1998 and 2006. This is some Michael Jordan baseball shenanigans, but probably better. Listen, give me a version of Space Jam... (laughs) Starring Bull Nakano now. I want it now. Yeah. Yes. Come on and yeah. slam. Yeah, 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 yeah. And welcome to Japan. Yeah, we'll call it Space Bowl. <laughs> Space oh, Bowl. Get away from me. <laughs> welcome to Japan. Get out of here. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mad. Do you have any other thoughts about Bull Nakano or uh, Alundra Blaze or this match or this this Space Jam movie that we're creating right now? Uh, I have lots of thoughts about the Space Jam movie, <laughs> um, about the wrestling match. Um, I really did enjoy it. 
enjoy it. And yes, it was much more, again, minus the random Transylvanian motorcycle brigade, uh, was much more straightforward than <laughs> some of the, the U.S. productions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. All right. Well, and you know who's the other star of our of Space Bowl, right? Who? Tell me. Barfield. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this has been another. <laughs> this has been another episode of I Hate Wrestling. Uh, I want to thank Nicole, my guest. Oh, yes. Thank you, Matt. I had a lovely time, as always. Well, you're very welcome. I also want to thank Corinne Dodenhoff for designing my logo. I want to thank the Novas for my theme song, Da Crusher. And I would like to ask, <laughs> humbly, you, my listeners, to visit me on Facebook, to like, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And to follow me on Instagram at I Hate Wrestling and on Twitter at IHWPod, where if I happen to be at a pro wrestling show like I was a lot this weekend, you can catch me live tweeting. Um. <laughs> you can catch me live tweeting. I don't know, man. I've been, up, I've been up since 5 a.m. Um, I know, I know. Your life is hard, and I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Nicole, you know how the show ends, don't you? Yes. I ask you what your pro wrestling character would be. And this week... Well, you, I have several at this point. You're not allowed to say Barfield. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to, actually. Uh, what were you going to say? Bull Okay, well, you can't. <laughs> Just kidding, no. It would actually be... How about um, Bull Nicolmo? Okay. <laughs> and it's basically the same character as Bull Nicano, but it's just you. Yes. All right. With a little dash of Velveteen Dream. So it's like me, Bowie, and Prince all combined into a wrestler. Okay, like in a sort of Captain Planet situation. With your yeah, with yeah, your yeah, powers yeah. combined. Uh, you know, like yeah. Yeah, with our powers combined. Like I'd have, yeah, I would have like the, the glasses, but I'd have like a, a cross between Bull Nakano and David Bowie as Jareth the Goblin King, the hair. Okay. You know? Where he's from Labyrinth with that hair, like a combo of the hairs, and I'd have a cod piece, of course, <laughs> and I would, you know, probably hit people with it, or at least, you know, swing it around like nunchucks. She doesn't <laughs> actually use them, but I could like swing a cod piece around, like on a rope or something. Well, you you know? know, you could have, uh, you could have just nunchucks <laughs> hidden inside your cod piece. Yeah, there we go. And I whip them out. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I got two dicks. <laughs> just swinging around nunchucks going these are my two dicks because <laughs> you know i would be like, dick, 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 the whole time 
instead of nunchucks. Instead of nunchucks, it's two dildos with the string, and I'm just whipping them around. <laughs> you know? Two, dil- like you do. two dildies on a chain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catch me live, tweeting. <laughs> I'm just. I just want to think of like the doors now. <laughs> Dildies on a chain. That's that's your theme. That's your theme song. <laughs> I like it. Oh, here and comes Nicole. Bill Murray comes out of the crowd. Medium <laughs> talent. Medium talent. Oh, hey, and you know what? While we got Bill Murray here, he could probably play Barfield. Yes! Oh, he totally would. You know he would. And, and... He's done it before. Right, Except and, they called him Garfield. Right, and he could be in Barfield and in its sequel, A Tale of Two Shitties. Good night, everybody! <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Matt. I'm here. Hi. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, it was just like you were gone, and I was like, "What, Matt?" That's <laughs> okay. I was. Uh, I I guess I lost you somewhere, but I was still recording, so. That's okay. All right. What's the last thing you remember? <laughs>